Welcome back to the Life and Digital podcast, the US edition. In 2024, the number of people watching connected TV will surpass the number of paid TV viewers. This presents a huge opportunity for the industry as advertising spending is predicted to grow by 27.2% to $27 billion in the US next year, with predictions of double digit growth through 2026. This week, Dan is joined by Joe Lospoluto, country manager of the US for Show Heroes. They discuss creativity within CTV and how Show Heroes can help media and publishers monetize this. We hope you will enjoy. Thanks, Joe, for joining uh, our Life in Digital podcast here on the US. Uh, I think this is our fourth podcast that we're doing, so it's really good to have you. Thank you for having me. Excited to be here. No worries. Uh, so, yeah, I, I thought it would be good just to start off, if you wouldn't mind, just telling us a bit about yourself and, and show heroes. Uh, you know, certainly your role with the company would be great. Sure, absolutely. So, uh, my name is Joe Oscoluto. I'm the country manager uh, of the US for Show Heroes. And uh, yeah, I mean, to talk a little bit about Show Heroes itself. So Show Heroes is uh, a online video uh, platform. Um, video is, uh, is the name of our, our game and what they, they like to do. Um, and actually, you know, I think that the interesting thing I like to always tell is the kind of story and evolution of the company, because I think it fits well into, you know, the, the output of what we're really trying to do um, in, in terms of the space. So the company itself has been around for about seven years now. Uh, headquarters is in Germany, in Berlin. Um, and the founders actually had a pretty interesting start in that they were working for um, some respective uh, big ad agencies. And um, for them, they saw a kind of repeated request come in for clients asking for branded video content. And so, you know, call it that lightning strike or, you know, that light bulb moment uh, for them was, hey, you know, why work for the man? If this repeated request is coming in, then certainly, right, there's a business to be had. And so that really sparked what I call one of the three pillars of the the company, uh, which is uh, the first pillar being the content production studio. So knowing that brands and advertisers were looking for branded content on a consistent fashion, they uh, basically started like any scrappy startup out of one of the founder's apartments, uh, which most of the equipment is still there. I've really? seen yeah. it in person. Uh, but that really kind of started the you know kind of creative arm of the business and the studio arm of the business. And that you know cascaded well over time. And it was a good, you know, start, I would think, for the the company itself. But it quickly matured in that the needs and evolution of needs of the advertisers themselves quickly cascaded into, hey, this is nice, the quality that you guys are producing, you know, out of the studios is quite high. We need help distributing this. Mm. And so being, you know, again, ambitious, the founders, yes, totally, we can totally do this. To be fair, did they know how to distribute? Absolutely not. (laughs) But what that ended up sparking was really what I call the the second pillar of the company, which was really the true build-out of the online video platform, the video player, the ad-serving components um, within the video um, uh, platform itself. Uh, And then that obviously sparked the reporting and all the other things that you would want or need in terms of that nuance so that we could then go on and basically partner with some of the world's largest media publications um, to garner an in-stream placement on their on their page. 
And so that evolved very nicely for the company. And then the third and kind of final pillar of the company then became the request at the behest of, you know, a media company, which was, this is great that, you know, you're delivering all this, but can you help us to monetize this inventory that you guys are creating for us? And so thus the monetization arm, which to be fair, was really just hiring a bunch of salespeople on a global <laughs> level, was, you know, was sparked and, and dawned. Um, and so that culmination of those three pillars um, really was the evolution of, of show heroes, but what in that story I, I haven't mentioned and I think is the most critical part of what we do is that the aim in and of itself, yes, evolved from let's just create some you know, branded content, let's distribute it, let's monetize that placement. But within that evolution, the founders really came to this revelation, if you will, which was, hey, wait a second really what's ultimately happening for ourselves is not to be another online video platform. Like Lord knows in the US, there's plenty of those guys around, six, seven of them, that's my count, maybe more. Um, so sorry if I forgot any of you who are listening. Uh, but the, the overarching arc to what we realized was our true value proposition was not so much, you know, this you know, creation and, and distribution. Yes, for sure, that's important. But the end goal for us is really to create high degree of relevance for a user in a time and moment where video is becoming increasingly um, more and more important. Uh, the parallel I like to draw in the field is, you know, you look at somebody like a TikTok, right? Like go back a couple of years, TikTok didn't even exist. And now, it's one of the fastest growing adopted platforms consumed, you know, by folks of all ages. But the most important one, right, is the younger generation. I have kids. My kids constantly have a screen in front of their, their face. Yeah. And so video as a means of um, education, entertainment, information, right, it is their go-to means. It's not to say that my kids can't read. But the point is that they like to consume media in this fashion and media being touching on those particular points. You know, so for us is okay, when we're producing out of you know, the, the studio, what we're really driving ultimately for our Northern Star is relevance for the user, because if we keep them relevant, we do justice to our publishing partners by keeping them on page longer, reducing bounce rates, really acting as a true kind of co-publisher we say on our side, because for us it's, meeting the end goals and objectives that a publisher ultimately is or a media company ultimately is. And by having that enablement of video uh, that's relevant then flips to the other side, which is for an advertiser who's increasingly trying to seek premium in-stream video content. Um, they can do so, yes, by YouTube, but to be fair, they have to diversify, right? Like not everybody's on YouTube or others will prefer other platforms or even some of the traditional you know, publications of the world. And so for that point, what we know for a fact is that we have an audience that is completely engaged within the message because we're co-scripting this content within the page of where we're semantically serving into. And because we have that user attention, it means that the, from an advertiser's perspective, who is trying to storytell in a way on their part, has a completely engaged, uh, enamored user, if you will, where their brand message can then be delivered um, with efficiency, but in a high quality environment. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, Show Heroes at, at large, right, is, you know, on the quickest, yes, an online video platform, 
but on a much deeper, deeper level, we're seeking to you know, ultimately create you know, better media, more relevant um, video experiences for both user and advertiser alike. Great, perfect. It's a good run through. And it sounds like a very exciting journey. I, I was almost going to say the American dream, but maybe the German dream. That might, <laughs> that might work. Yeah, you know, uh, the, you know, we're in the land of immigrants, so you know, I think that the you know, dream is universal Still works. for the ambitious. Yeah, fair <laughs> enough. Well, that sounds great. So what, what, what about you, though, I guess? You know, what, what, where do you kind of come into this, and how long, I guess, have you been working in digital media and advertising? Yeah, so for, uh, so for myself, I've been in the space for uh, 18 years, 18 years plus. Um, and the way that I typically like to describe myself is, in essence, the Swiss Army knife nice. of uh, media and advertising. And, and the reason I describe that is that my, my own evolution over time um, really started the early, early days was, you know, direct response, email marketing, you know, that, that side of the house. But then quickly, and by, for me, just being naturally curious as an individual, always was looking and seeking at kind of the evolution of what the internet could be, what internet advertising and marketing could become. And so why I say Swiss Army Knife is that, you know, cat started in origin at, you know, lead generation, direct response, that stuff. Quickly cascaded into email marketing and all the, you know, nuances uh, around there. Um, that had cascaded into what I would say is one of the earliest um, components of um, contextual marketing or contextual 2.0. Mm -hmm. So uh, at this one particular company I worked with, Scott Knoll, who's ex-CEO um, uh, of IAS. Mm -hmm. And the whole idea was to really take offline data and online data and marry them in the form of a cookie or a third-party cookie as we now know it um, so that we could then do measurement and targeting. Um, so the earliest, earliest phases of that. That obviously cascaded for myself into um, mo mobile, early mobile days of um, early pre-iPhone, then post-iPhone, so SDK, um, deliveries, mechanisms, creative mechanisms, uh, leveraging the power of those devices. Then that cascaded onto CTV for myself. Um, I definitely worked at a few startups that didn't start up, is right. that, that's a polite way I like to put some <laughs> of them. Um, and then that has you know kind of transpired into the, I would say, more um, data-orientated and or the enterprise level technologies that you know are empowering um, advertising and marketing technologies. So the kind of culmination of you know my history has really touched every facet of marketing that really could be touched from direct response to, to branding, the intricacies of the technolo technological enablement and delivery systems through enterprise tech ad servers, um, SSPs, DSPs, all of that nature. Um, and so it's been an interesting ride for me. Mm. Um, in a way, I, I love it because, you know, I think I've worked like 15 jobs of my father's, you know, past generational one job type sure, of, you yeah. know, uh, college to, to retirement. Um, but it's what keeps me on the toes. You know, I love it. Um, it's always an evolution. And so for myself, I don't ever see myself stopping. Yeah, great. I see what you mean, Swiss Army knife now. It makes sense. So. <laughs> yeah, which, which tool do you need me for? <laughs> <laughs> there you go. But, well, I guess focusing on, on the video side of that, uh, that knife there. So but I guess what, what do you see as the biggest trends in video right now? Mm -hmm. So... Um, recently I've come off of a, I guess, a circuit of, you know, uh, just shows and speaking shows where, you know, I've gotten to listen in on some of the, you know, world's leading CMOs, um, and, you know, other really intelligent people in the space. 
One of the common themes that I see rising, I see continuing rising is for brands and agencies, they're looking at themselves more now as storytellers um, than I think that they ever have in the past. And I think upon a little bit of reflection, why is that? Some of that I believe is really just the fundamental that it's one thing to see a commercial right, and try to elicit some sort of emotion to then have some sort of end goal, right, purchase or whatever, or future purchase, right, depending on where they're getting that person in the kind of lifetime value cycle. I think with the rise of video, the ease of where anybody, right, can be a content creator, right, like, I mean, you look at us here on this podcast, right, like, we are content creating, that rapid rise, and I think the you know influencers is maybe the best parallel to draw, right? I can quickly get my camera, light up myself, I could be an influencer, and then I can start to story arc according to whatever right I'm trying to do or my niche audience that I'm trying to speak to. That rise, at that point, that rise of content creation, the ease of content creation as a means of continual storytelling, I think is, in essence, having brands kind of rethink just deployment of 30 second spots or 15 or six or whatever the formats are right across the, the web and, um, and CTV into a calculation, right? Of how can I say something beyond just the 30 second commercial, right? Or the print ad or the other mediums that you're basically seeing and how can I myself as a brand really push forward, right, this whole story, longer story arc of how I want you to feel about me and my company, right? Maybe I'm doing sustainable things that I want you to really know about, right? Or um, I had a great conversation recently with the CMO of the NFL. This is a great example of this. For them, right, the, the focus was always on the camera on fields, like what is the action happening? Yeah. But for him was a realization that, hey, wait a second, like, there's more on the other side. And so this concept of like, let me just turn the cameras the other way. Let me turn the cameras to the communities that come to the games. Okay. The team, you know, the, the communities that are, you know, rabid, ravenous fans, right, of said, you know, players, or even the players that live in within the community. Mm -hmm. And how do they do more than just be the player on the field? I think is a perfect example of you're still on point for a brand, but you're diversifying your story arc into more than just a game, right? Um, on field, you know, whatever the hour, two hours, you know, action, and into something that becomes um, more deeply meaningful, perhaps, to a person, right? So maybe I do like that particular person, but hey, I didn't know that that particular player. I don't know, could sing a cappella, right? Or yeah. could do, or is doing this really, you know, good charitable things within the community. And I'd like to actually support that, right? Mm. Because I believe in those value constructs. So that's what I mean, you know, to kind of take it back for a second as to, I think the evolution is that in a way, the future will be kind to those that I think take to the story arc um, or the storytelling component. I think what it will be, though, is a reimagination for the respective brands themselves or the respective creative agencies, if they're deploying creative agencies, to 
challenge themselves to think beyond just these 30 second spots, think beyond, you know, these temple events or these other, you know, points in time in which they're going to deploy. And then how do you now have production and storytelling that happens from now until forever, right? Or obviously evolution um, over time. But I think that's going to be one of the biggest, biggest things that are going to rise. And I think that that part, to be honest, is, is a very difficult task to overcome because it challenges you to really think about like who are we really as a you know respective brand or even taking it outside of a brand right like even if I want to be an influencer right or you know whatever a publisher how do I create these you know meaningful story arcs that speak to a younger generation which means it has to be video right it's the most best way to tell a story yeah. And so off of that basis, right, that evolution and that challenge is then, okay, well, how do I have the skill sets to do that? Um, creating quality um, takes time, right? There's, you know, if I want to go faster, then that's going to come, you know, with some uh, degree potentially and drop of, of, you know, quality production. Could there be open doors to partnering or doing, you know, better things to surround, you know, my media experience or help um, amplify that experience? I think these are some of the challenges that are, still being worked out but i think that from a trend perspective to me this is probably one of the single most strongest trends in general that impacts both the media publishing side uh, as well as the advertiser agency brand side because if both start to story arc and can find harmony to story arc together i think it's a, a really nice elevation and my hope is to get it beyond where, you know, we start to look at mediums of the past or, or creative formats of the past, like you know, banner ads or something like that, that nobody really pays attention to. And can we have, you know, a rich advertising um, element leveraging video, but done in a way that, you know, is relevant for the consumer and does match this, you know, kind of storytelling arc that trend-wise, I, I think is going to be a definite common theme for years to come. Right. Yeah, that hopefully. <laughs> so I guess we're specific to CTV within that then. So how important would you say CTV is going to be for advertisers across the Americas over the coming year or so then? <laughs> sure. I think that uh, having also checked that CTV box in my uh, my uh, Swiss Army knife of, yes. of experience. So CTV has been relevant in the U.S. for quite a long time now. And actually from a global perspective, we're definitely mature um, at least in the midst of, you know, other uh, regions around the globe. But what does that mean? I think that, you know, CTV will continue to become and be relevant, dominant. And I would say that, you know, if I'm going to put on my future crystal balls hat, mm -hmm. um, I think some of this plays out to where, you know, we have the rise of fast channels. So content and that storytelling that I just talked about, right? There's an ease of getting distribution now that wasn't there, let's call it, you know, five, six years ago. I think the data intelligence is also obviously rising. The systems are becoming, you know, smarter. All of this, I think in some instances, shouldn't surprise anybody because all we've done is just digitize the delivery. And in doing the digitization, we already are coming with 20 plus years of learnings of, you know, targeting and decisioning and exclusion and blocking and all the you know rich data details that have come traditionally from the you know desktop mobile arena now coming into the delivery systems of connected TV and so I think that that becomes very prominent 
I think that there'll be a component where you know linear budgets will probably start to go more digital over time, okay. um, especially because cord cutting obviously has never been at its highest. It'll continue to degrade as, unfortunately, you know people die off, and you know hate to say it, sorry, grandma, but like <laughs> over time, right? These cable subscriptions of the old go away. I think you could argue that there's subscriptions of the new, which is I have you know Hulu, Netflix, and Disney Plus, and all these other ones. So my new cable bundle. Uh, but the general point is, it is the big screen. It is a lean back environment for a consumer. Um, the messaging, if done appropriately, and back to the storytelling, if done well, I think will engage a consumer. And I think since we've done an eye on a digitization, I think that there's a component of not truly thinking about separation anymore of desktop mobile CTV or linear, but how can an advertiser story arc across all of them and leverage, you know, the different creative formats, video, um, myself, uh, you know, across those, each one of those and treating the user in with the respect of which environment they're in. Are they lean in, they lean back, are they, you know, open adaptable? Am I, you know, do I need maybe shorter formats? So six seconds, 15 seconds here, but on the big screen, I'm gonna go longer formats, you know, 30 seconds, um, 60 seconds, right, who knows? But I think that that is going to continue to evolve and then just the data and the reporting, all of that, I think will continue to also evolve. I think that there's still some hurdles, certainly, to, to be overcome, right, in terms of, you know, people still don't get show level detail, so like if, you know, linear is really gonna degrade, then I think that publishers need to be more open about like showcasing or serving the metadata about you know the show you know not just here's my network and you're getting what you get and I think that'll go a long way um, as newer buyers um, continue to just demand that um, for you know these, these bigger budgets so incredibly important but I think has to be done in a mix of all the other platforms to be truly the most effective the great commonality though is that it's all IP delivered and because it's IP delivered means there is the ability to track target and get all the rich data sets mm. in order to get efficiency um, for the brand in terms of their spend. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I guess within that, I guess what, what sort of creative innovation are we seeing then in, in video and CTV advertising at the moment? So one of the things that we are seeing on our side, um, which I think is great is the question of how can I do more than just play the video? Sure. And I think a great example of this is if we just reverse time to the you know Super Bowl, um, where you know the appearance of the QR code, you know, dancing across the screen, you know, was a really powerful moment to powerful moment in that it illustrated that one something that we all knew and realized, right? Like that mobile device is basically on your lap next to you, on the cushion of your armchair, yeah. wherever you're sitting. And so having second screen enablement or prompting of second screen enablement within the greater you know, uh, creative experience, mm -hmm. I think just showcases that it doesn't just have to be just the video plays out and I hope the message, message resonates. So I think there's a lot of creativity in terms of um, 
folks looking to say, oh, can I do you know, the QR code? Or how can I compound beyond the QR code? So some of the things I'll speak to that we're doing for um, certain advertisers of ours is we've implemented what we call kind of like an L-shape um, creative uh, wrapper, if you will. The video is still there, but there's elements within this L-shape banner, you know, kind of, I don't know how to best describe it, but basically this L-shaped real estate that then can do more. So maybe there's, you know, some additional information that they want highlighted in addition to what's happening in the video. Um, perhaps it could be a QR code that, hey, if I'm a I don't know, food brand, here's, you know, QR code and get the recipes for tonight's dinner or something mm -hmm. like that. Store location, like all this stuff, you know, these kind of shoppable type of elements uh, I think there's where we're starting to see creativity really kind of um, spurn. And that, I think, is a really good moment because I think, A, it's still hitting that common theme of how can I storytell beyond just my 30-second spot or whatever second spot it is. And then how can I immerse them more, capture um, you know, the user a little bit more, leveraging second screen, uh, second screen mm -hmm. <clears throat> to do some sort of action. And action doesn't need to be purchase. It could just be, hey more information, or I don't know, like, I'm a car manufacturer, I just came out with my all-new electric car, right? Like, yeah, go on the second screen and see the richer details of what the car can do, right? Like, things of that nature. So we're seeing that be kind of the spurn of innovation. We're seeing that be um, a really nice dialogue, honestly, between, like, our teams um, and then the respective agencies and brands in terms of, like, you know, how crazy do you guys want to go? Yeah. And then we'll kind of figure out, you know, what that looks like or help you to create that either through our own means or through a third party if they have third party partners that are doing a particular thing that they mm. like. Yeah, interesting. I guess that helps measurement and determine engagement, isn't it? If they're actually going under their second screen and actually then helping the advertiser. So Absolutely. Yeah, no, I think engagement is, you know, is a surfacing, you know, topic where people yeah. are starting to rethink that you know, is the, you know, old CPM or CPC, are these, you know, these really old, old models mm -hmm. still appropriate for today? Or are there better metrics, right? Like engagement or time spent or things mm -hmm. of that nature that maybe are a better means. Uh, you know, I don't have my opinion on that, you know, just yet, but I think it's, I think it's always good to challenge the old and, you know, evolve um, and progress in terms of yeah. if there is a better way that's, you know, better for both sides. Fair enough, yeah, I guess. Well, well, on that point then, really, so how are advertisers ensuring that they are reaching the right people then in video and CTV environments? Yeah, so this would then spark the big, you know, component that's happening right now, which is, yes, third-party cookies are dead, or the can's been kicked another couple of years by Google, yeah. so wonderful, great. At least what I see and feel is people from a media perspective, right, we'll still take it, of course, right? It's a signal and advertisers will buy on it. But what I have heard from both sides, publishing side, media side, company side, and agency side, is that they're really kind of accepted that that's a foregone conclusion. And so investment into first-party data sets and usage of first-party data sets in terms of, you know, targeting and the greater intelligence that comes around that for either publisher and or, or brand really is, I think, the, the mode um, of, to your point, of finding the right audience. Why? Because A, it just performs way better, right? And I'm not in an agency, but in my conversations with agency people, targeting against the first party data set always has higher um, KPIs than 
none. That said, I think that there's some nuance though to that and that we're so accustomed to what I call a slightly older world in terms of I ingest all data, I can target against all data, right? With the onset of GDPR, right? And TCF and CCPA, CCPRA, plus all the iterations of, you know, the different states that are coming out on this. I think that the dynam that dynamic has shifted and that advertisers need to also think beyond that scope, right? So I'll draw a parallel. The old, you know, onset of I only buy on linear TV because, you know, that's where everybody is. Great, I got that. While on the surface, true, if you look behind the curtains, though, like you're going to have younger audiences that, right, well, I'm never going to have a cable subscription. So sure, go buy linear TV, but you are not going to get the younger set of audiences that will never basically have a cable subscription and therefore you'll never reach them unless you go you know, down a, a CTV route, so to say. The parallel to draw back to first party data or this general component that a consumer has a seat at the table now, right? Before, who cared about the consumer, right? Like whatever. Now it matters more than ever because now it's a matter of whether I gave you consent or not. And so if I didn't give you consent, right, do we act foolishly and say, oh, just discard it, right? There was actually a moment when GDPR came out where a lot of media publishers took a look at their impression counts on an international level and said, eh, I don't care about it. Who cares about Europe? Who can live <laughs> just, just cut off that part of the world, right? Which I think um, knee-jerk reaction, sure, makes sense, right? Maybe the numbers weren't so large, and so what revenue was I going to ultimately get out of that? Maybe a little. But it's not to say that that could have been a avid base or a fan base, right, that is interested in your media, right, and could be a high value person. So I think that, you know, for this is a component to say, if you want to target, I think targeting needs to be looked at in two lenses, consented and non-consented. If they consented, wonderful. Leverage your first party data or get intelligent about having and architecting your first party data intelligence and then leverage that for your end means, right? Fine. But I think it's foolish to ignore the other side, which is going to be a subset of users that don't ever want to consent for whatever reason. <clears throat> and that requires, not that they can't see an ad, they can. The component of that is, how do I target them in a contextual semantic manner, creating relevance, right? And doing so potentially across screen because consent is um, actioned across the board. So from that perspective, I think that it's a opening of the aperture in which it shouldn't be just black and white, first party data or bust, right? Mm -hmm. We won't even bother with anything else because I think that there are valuable audiences that have to be targeted on a contextual basis or a semantic basis because they have not given consent. And if they've done that, then just target them or know that this is a different this subset of the advertising budget needs to be looked at slightly differently. I'm not saying the end KPIs don't need to be there, but I think there's a, a, a few degrees of difference that have to be attributed to semantic versus first-party data sets. And does it still end up hitting that end goal? I would say yes. I think if done intelligently, it can. Um, so to, to your point, I think those are the, the pathways that people need to leverage to ensure they're hitting you know, kind of right audience. Mm -hmm. But again, in, the, in a world where you're trying to story arc across the board, relevance will matter, 
right? Lifetime value of that consumer potentially matters you know, more depending on where you're hitting them in the life stage of adoption. Um, and I think you can use both measures, first party and um, uh, semantic means to achieve the same result. Right, okay, interesting. So I guess away from the advertiser then, so we're looking at the publisher side now, how can publishers increase their video output and then properly monetize it? <laughs> so I, you know, I, I chuckle at this one a little bit um, because it's, it's something that we, we live and feel like every day um, with, yeah. the, with the team at Show Heroes. Mainly because I think we're at a critical juncture where media companies too are realizing that they need to be doing more, right? They, they're just like an advertiser. I have to capture a user at some point, right? And then have some sort of LTV lifetime value, right? For however long I can, I can make it. Older publications, right? Like The Guardian, right? Financial Times, these guys, right? very old school, very static, right? I'm not saying that they're not doing, you know, some innovation, but like in general, right? You go to the site, it's a wall of text. I read very long form content, very good journalism, right? But if I'm younger gen, right? We talked about earlier that I'm racing to, you know, TikTok to get my 15 second blip right on video. How the question then becomes, you know, what is the video content strategy for, these media companies, old or young, I don't think it matters. I think everybody has to think about the same question. And then on that basis, right, figure out then how do I continue to transform my company over time? Because nothing's overnight um, into a world where I have a good mix, right, between maybe the long form journalism stuff, but I'm incorporating more video into that mix of, you know, so I can capture or draw the attention of a younger audience that, you know, will consume and then now becomes, you know, engaged for some sort of, you know, lifetime value for myself. And so on that basis, right, I think that the challenge we find is a couple fold. So the way I usually like to start a conversation with the media company is simple question. Tell me what your video content strategy is. Sadly, in a lot of cases, there isn't an answer, sure. right? Because we're at that point where they are realizing video is important, but they don't quite have the mapping out as to why or how do I even accomplish this end goal? And I think it's natural. Video costs a lot to produce, right? Um, especially if you want to do something high quality. If you're doing high cost and quality, speed now becomes a factor. So how do I account for speed in a world that's trying to consume 24-7? Right? That's a very daunting task. I think there's really intelligent editorial teams across the board in a lot of these media companies, and I think that they are having some strategies, but I think if you want to bolster the amount of content that you're having, right, and this is the part that Show Heroes helps um, the media, our media partners do, is that we really come in leveraging that first pillar I talked about about our video production capability. And what I didn't mention earlier is that over you know, the seven, eight years we've been in existence, we've amassed 150,000 plus pieces of short form content, video content, that is across all IAB categories, across eight different languages, because we've morphed into a, a global company. We're no longer just German based. Um, and what we can enable through our partnership with a media company is yes, editorial wise, you guys continue to do this and we'll help map and help them think about you know certain things that 
will matter in terms of video and video production and speed and scale. But where we can come in is, hey, editorial team, keep doing your thing, right? Keep your journalism high, keep that going well. What we can do is supplement your content with our short form content so it's catchy, it's you know, engaging enough for younger audiences and older too. I'm not gonna you know, discount them as well. <clears throat> but it's a nice way for us because things coming out of our studio are high production quality and the speed and scale is there. We're solving that basic problem for them. So that evolves into us helping them formulate their video content strategy. Mm -hmm. And then that is where it naturally flips into monetization. Right? So monetization, if you're doing it well and it's high quality and we produce in-stream video inventory sets for the publishers we work with, that trades at a very high premium. Why? Because I talked about relevance before, I talked about a high engaged audiences, and these are all stats we've been not only proven ourselves, but third-party doubt validated by Double Verify and others. <clears throat> and so from that basis, that trades at a higher CPM. Advertisers are willing to pay for that because they're precisioning into you know, a, a user who's engaged. And we help foster that relevance factor by really leveraging our semantic engine, which is you know, really reading and you know, doing natural um, language processing to really understand and, and pull in, based on those you know, particular keywords or metadata, the right content at the right time for the right user. Um, and that drives, you know, I think, the, the general monetization component for them. So we don't need to replace editorial teams. We don't need to replace sales teams, we're coming in and creating a new, all of everything I just talked about, and that is a nice supplementation to the existing efforts of a media publisher, which helps the twofold factor of how do I evolve in my content, video content path, and then the easy part, what I say is the easier part is really just the monetization at that point, because video is in such high demand, um, and if you do it well and execute it well, then the premium is there. And most of these guys at this point are omni-channel anyway, mm -hmm. which helps within that story arc of what I you know, mentioned in terms of brands now trying to look at omni-channel in a much more intelligent fashion. Mm -hmm. Okay, great. Okay, cool. Well, well, this is an interesting now. So, I mean, can you tell us about the launch of Show Heroes Green Media and, of course, how that helps advertisers uh, you know, reduce and offset their carbon emissions? Yeah, so I think that, you know, for <laughs> at least most of us younger folks, right, like this is a, you know, bigger piece in terms of realizing that there's a lot of, you know, undue waste, right, in industry. And industry not only just obviously advertising, there's, you know, tons of, you know, carbon emissions happening across the globe and different industries. For us... Really, you know, for us is, you know, we have a really firm belief in creating, you know, or at least playing our part in having, helping shape a, a better world, right? And so part of that really in, in scoping for ourselves is really just better media in a way. And part of this better media construct for show heroes and one of our, you know, pieces, main pieces that we've just launched uh, is our green media product. And so the, the general gist of it is this. The supply chain through the end result of an ad being shown, right, has a series of partners and, you know, different technologies that are consuming carbon-intensive resources to then produce the end ad result. What we are seeking to, in our partnership with Scope3, um, who is U.S.-based, Brian O'Kelly, 
we have partnered with them so that we can measure that chain um, from you know supply to the output of advertising. Mm-hmm. Understanding you know the carbon emissions of that, or uh, Scope Three is helping us in partnership to um, calculate that. But the, the general gist of it is that if a brand or an advertiser right wishes to commit or showcase themselves to building a better, more sustainable future, they can leverage through us a um, green media product that then uh, will be calculated through Scope Three to understand the carbon um, emission and offset, and then basically monetary. Um, transaction occurs um, to knowingly have offset projects that truly, truly will offset, whether it's reforestation, um, decarbonization plants, things of that nature, so that on that pathway we can not only obviously offset in terms of the true set of carbon offsets, but it's also a a harder look at the industry in terms of the sheer wastage, um, in terms of the auctions and the, you know, 5,000 different parties, right, and all these things to, of the old, make the industry run. I think that greater sophistication, right, and some could call out, you know, supply path optimization, things of that nature, doesn't go as far enough or as a pathway towards us building towards this green, you know, media initiative. And so all this is, is I think, us, one, sincerely holding the belief that we want to help build, you know, a better future, better planet, and to do so is not to pay lip service to, you know, yes, you know, we're green and pat ourselves on the back, but really systematically, one, offering packages that take a scrutinizing eye towards the supply chain and obviously demand as well, and helping on that part to, you know, kind of offset with um, really good projects there. Um, and then also then Cascade's also deeper for us in terms of looking at our own systems, like, you know, our our own travel, our own energy consumption within our offices, right? And, and obviously it's not black and white, right? This is an evolutionary journey that we've, you know, really put our stake in the ground and this is a pathway we're going to take moving forward. But yeah, in essence, the products, um, they, you know, anybody who's listening to this that's interested could obviously contact us um, and we can give some more detail in terms of, you know, how um, the green media product can be um, executed, uh, put together and executed so that somebody can do also their part in terms of building towards that sustainable future. Yeah, sounds like a great product and actually not uh, as many companies doing that at the moment. So a fantastic initiative. Now, we, we think it's, you know, a, a, I think it's a trend that will continue to arise, but I think yeah. there's a... It's one thing to do a trend or you know hear about the trend. I think there's another to actually take action. Yeah. And show here as is committed to taking action. Great, nice, perfect then. So I guess to, to finish this off then, really, I mean it'd be good to sort of end on, you know, what what, what is next for you, of course, and, and show here, especially now going into 2023. Yes. I uh, will let me pull up my crystal ball. <laughs> <laughs> now I think that um, you know, next and now for us, I think, is this really good conversations we're having really on both sides, uh, media supply side and demand side. On the media supply side is really, you know, trying to help the, you know, media companies find or create deeper relevance for their users, um, help them on their pathways for, you know, video content production or, you know, uh, leveraging us to assist them on that means and then ultimately helping them to monetize more intelligently, which helps keep you know journalism going right uh, keeps good media companies going so we're we're really committed to that and that that's now and honestly in 2023 like that'll continue to accelerate because we launched 
in the, I launched the US unit in January of 2023. So we've obviously been out in the streets for some time. I think that like any, you know, sales cycle, if you will, or any kind of educational journey, people need to be educated first. We've gotten through a lot of that pathway through a lot of major um, companies in the US. Uh, and I think that will now turn into action as video continues to rise in prominence and people want to become more intelligent on their strategy and then thus monetization. So that is definitely the next now, now next for us. Yeah. Uh, on the demand agency side, I think is you know really hitting hard on continued education about this story arcing. You know, how do they envision themselves being storytellers? Mm -hmm. How can we enable that through our products of where we have, you know, the, our content, which in and of itself is storytelling, mm -hmm. married with a, you know, an ad and an in-stream video format. So how do we creatively partner with the respective brands and agencies? And I think that's a continuing loop for now and, and for the future. Mm -hmm. um, and then I think oh, outside of that is, you know, really for us, the next, you know, our continuation building is just becoming, you know, smarter with the semantic engine that, you know, we're continuing to evolve and build out like any, you know, AI. Uh, and that, you know, just as making sure we have high quality, good data mm -hmm. um, and all leveraging towards the, you know, kind of end result of being very inclusive um, and diverse in terms of, you know, our partnerships um, the people that we seek to support, uh, whether through being media or just, you know, partnering or empowering, you know, Black-owned, Latino, LGBTQ, we want to really be inclusive in terms of media and help really the broad spectrum of everybody. So that is, you know, the the somewhat crystal ball, but, you know, I can I can see it clear as day as, you know, that is the now and, and future for, for show heroes. Right, sounds exciting. <laughs> yeah, no, we're happy to be building. <laughs> yeah, definitely. All right, well, look, thank you so much. It's been great to learn more about you, show heroes, of course, branding content, and I guess some industry trends for video and CTV. So thanks very much. Yeah, likewise. Thank you for having me. It was a lot of fun. No worries. A big thank you to Joe and Dan for this week's episode. If you want to find out more about the work Show Heroes are doing, we will link to them via our website and in our show notes below. Catch last month's episode with Joe's colleagues, Sarah and Steve, about growth for CTV across EMEA and the UK. That's it for 2022. We hope you will join us next time for another episode of Life in Digital.